Hi guys, thanks for clicking onto the daily roundup. We went through plenty today, uh, talked about, well, what did we talk about, Harry? What should people listen to? Southampton, Norwich, probably the bigger, or Norwich, Southampton. Yeah. You've also got Tottenham versus Manchester United and a bit of a transfer roundup. Who did we talk about, Mikey, in the transfer roundup? Well, we talked about Leroy Sane and yeah. his contract negotiations with Manchester City. The saga yeah. continues to see what happened yes, there. It'd be very interesting. So, yeah, what... What else do people look out for? I mean, we had we had the goals, VAR decisions. Anything else? Any controversial points that we covered? I don't want to ruin the podcast yeah. already. They've got to keep their keep their ears open because it's, it's a good one this week or it, today. It's so a very good one. especially keep your right. ears so, open. Yeah, the beef as well. But Harry's keeping it secret today. But it is a very good one. So keep your eyes open. Keep your ears open. <laughs> See you later. Hey guys, welcome back to In The Stands. Hope you're well. Hope you enjoyed the games today. So football's back again. We had two games today. We had our own team, Southampton, which is our team, how we all know each other. But we also watched the Man United uh, Spurs game as well. So have a look talk about that. A little bit of rumours as well. We can get onto that later on. But yeah, first of all, we might as well talk about what we all saw or what we all enjoyed was a 3-0 of Southampton beating Norwich. How do we boys think about uh, Southampton's performance against Norwich? Comfortable, which was weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there aren't many. There aren't many times in the Southampton support you can go. Oh, that game was easy. Yeah. Uh, Norwich didn't really provide a threat apart from the first 10, 15 minutes or so. Timo Pukki had a chance at two 0 to make it two one, and mm. Bedarek managed to get a block into it. And that was about it. That's all that Tottenham uh, Tottenham Norwich offered. Yeah. Uh, Cant- Cantwell was substituted after. 50 minutes an hour. Which I thought was strange, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, it, it was, it was weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was expecting more fight from a team that now they've lost this game Sadly for them, are probably relegated. But if you if you head over to the Saints Brian pod, you oh. will hear Mikey. You will hear Mikey say, to be fair to him, in the first 15 minutes, you'll have Norwich that's going to smash down the door and if they don't break through we're going to win the game and in all fairness that's exactly what happened so it's, it's mm. a great little prediction there to be fair and like yeah. I said it, with about two minutes in you know Danny Ings a fantastic <laughs> touch on the ball just to guide it away from one of the Norwich players like Dermich I'm pretty sure it was at the back post and if mm. it's one nil there it could be a completely different story but Southampton seemed to ride out that wave and after that like you said it was it was pretty comfortable yeah, yeah. And it's a, yeah, a bit like you said, so we do a Southampton podcast. So if you're a Southampton fan and you want to hear us talk more in detail, we do both previews and reactions afterwards. So that is something you can have a look if you are Southampton fans, because we all are. But also, this is a place to talk about the whole Premier League. So, you know, this, uh, we can go into detail about Southampton, but there's other avenues if you want to listen to that. Mm. But yeah, this is like an overall uh, Premier League one, so we can talk about other bits. But yeah, staying on Southampton mm. one, I thought it looked very comfortable for Southampton. I think they... Mm. Uh, like you said, they defended well for the first 20 minutes, made sure Norwich didn't get anything into the game because the last thing you want is um, them to try and start to control the game, especially as they basically, their manager came out and said, we need to win all these games. So kind of nullifying that and making them come out of the show a lot more, I think really helped them. And you look at um, you look at Norwich's stats when they go down in the game, they basically don't get out of it. And uh, mm. you, you saw definitely in the second half, their defence was everywhere. Like, did you did you notice their defensive frailties, mm. Harry? Oh yeah, most certainly. I think 
it's sort of they're not resigned they're not resigned to it but i think the quality of our counter attack compared to theirs or, or compared to their attack overall was mm. quite strong and due to the fact that they're trying to play this nice on the ball pass out the back sort of system and Southampton love it when teams do that especially when they're not very good at it because the amount of times they won the ball right on the edge of their um their half and counter attacks that yeah. sort of that was that's what happened in the game despite the fact that none of the three goals came from that in the first half all their chances came from that exact thing mm. and like I said I'm surprised Norwich didn't battle harder they sort of lost their way after 15 minutes and as soon as Southampton got a goal which you know obviously through Danny Ings there, there was no coming back for Norwich yeah what, did, what was your reflections on the game Mike like you said it was easy but what, where do you think a certain turning point was where do you think it uh, it all kind of changed I don't know when it changed. Uh, I think probably when when we got out of our own half. It, Southampton mm. took 10 minutes or so to actually get out of their own half. And as yeah. soon as we managed to do that, we could push the line up, we could initiate the press. And then all of a sudden, where they're playing out the back and trying to play with uh, Tim Krul and uh, Closer who hasn't played for nearly a year, or like, mm. I think it was 10 months, I think it was, he hasn't yeah. played for. Um, when, when you've got players like that and inexperienced players too, they are gonna they are gonna make mistakes. And with the way that Southampton play with the high pressing football, we won the ball back high at the pitch and managed to create chances. Danny Ings went close, uh, hitting the crossbar in the first half. Um, yeah, I think it was just the inexperience of the defence and um, and the lack of game time really showed on uh, Norwich's back four. Yeah. And of course, Danny Ings bagging another goal as well keeping as a contender to try and get that uh, golden boot or at least finish high up there. Um, another brilliant performance. It almost looked like he wasn't, he didn't have a break. He was just another game week for him. How important is he going to be for Southampton's rest of the season? Well, the thing is, he's, as, as much as people say he is the, the all-important character, people also forget the fact that Southampton, two of their wins this season in their fantastic December to January run did come without him. But it's always... It's always ideal when he's on the pitch because despite the fact that we've had so so much of a long time off and he's also very injury prone, it doesn't seem like that. He's come back after three months and just sort of hit the ground running. He hit the bar, so that was sort of a sizer for him. And when he opened his body up in the second half and curled it into the corner, as soon as he got that space, I don't know about you guys, but you sort of knew it was going to be a goal. I was celebrating before he hit it. And by the time he hit it, it didn't even hit the back of the net. And he was already running off to do his little snooker celebration. <laughs> yeah. And does it look like curtains for Norwich in the, uh, in the Premier League? I mean, this was a, a key opportunity for them to pick up points and they didn't take advantage of it with a 3-0 loss at home. Is there any way you can see them potentially trying to stay up or does it look like curtains for them, guys? It was before the game on um, on Norwich's Twitter. The fans seemed quite excited because they'd gone to up front. I'm guessing that, oh, they played one up front for the majority of the season. Mm. They went to up front. They matched us up. And at the end of the game, it was just... It, it felt like the team was lost. Like The effort was still there. You saw it on a lot of counter-attacks, especially the second goal. There were bodies back. It was just the panic over the situation gave Armstrong that space to curl it into the bottom corner. Mm. And so it wasn't down to effort in the fact that they didn't get mm. it. It was just down to quality. And in the fact that Southampton did make mistakes, Jan-Valerie made two or three mistakes that could have led to goals. And there was not the quality to get the goals. 
like mm. Pookie's chance getting blocked by Benderek, him not taking an earlier shot. Uh, Danny Ings' clearance in the second minute, which would have changed the game completely if they mm. would have got that um, that goal in as well. But it's it's looking worrying now for Norwich because uh, yeah. they're six points mm. off um, six points off safety, having played a game extra. Uh, if all, it's unlikely, but if all three teams win above them now, um, and Villa win as well, you're looking you're looking at nine points, and it's a tough run of fixtures that they've got to. Yeah, so it, yeah, it does look uh, pretty bad for them, doesn't it? Really. And uh, the second game we had featured today was obviously Mourinho's uh, return against Man United. We had Pogba as well that was uh, you know talked about because it was uh, Mourinho versus. Uh, Pogba again. He didn't. Um, he didn't start, but he did make certainly a feature when he came on. How big was Pogba's impact? Do you reckon, Harry, when he uh, came onto the pitch? Uh, well, to start with, to start with, he didn't really have that much of an impact. Due to the fact of when he came on, Tottenham sort of packed the middle of the pitch because they knew that if he got on the ball, he could literally ping the ball 30, 40 yards absolutely anywhere it was literally that just one moment of quality that he had mm. don't get me wrong after the penalty I think he sprayed a fantastic ball to Rashford who got unlucky with Davison Sanchez getting a phenomenal blocking or yeah. sort of tackling before and that's why he started over um, Toby Alderweireld but that little bit of quality in the penalty area close control against Oak Dyer had a very very good game up until that point just bodies him off the ball and it was, it was an easy penalty decision sometimes you see those sorts of ones given sometimes you don't but he, he got the penalty and weirdly he wasn't on the pen and neither was Rashford because Bruno Fernandes is very consistent from the penalty spot and it, that's what made it one all. But yeah, it, that substitution, it, that, was, that yeah. was a turning point in the game. Definitely, definitely. And uh, a lot of people are now tweeting about this Pogba-Bruno Fernandes um, partnership. Like you said, Bruno Fernandes getting the uh, free kick and he did actually mention after the game, I'll see if I can pull up his quote, what he said. Um, ah, here we go. It says, it was a difficult game, uh, but we scored one goal and we had chances to score more. We're not happy because we want to win every single game, but it's a good result. I've been training hard with Paul for the last weeks, so it, finding the connection, it's easier. He won the penalty I kicked at most important is the team and winning the game. So even he there linked into the fact that um, him and Paul Pogba have been trying to gain this connection. How important do you reckon that connection is, Mikey, for the rest of the season for uh, Man United to try and pick up those points to get that Champions League uh, finish they're looking for? Very. I mean, when you've got two world-class players in your side, you want them to be able to play together because that just makes them even better. Yeah. Um, yeah. With with the the ability and the creativity that both Pogba and Bruno Fernandes bring uh, to the United side, it, it is it is scary. And you know that they'll create chances. And with the right quality up front, where you've got the young Mason Greenwood coming through, Rashford's come back from injury, uh, Martial's always got quality. Like, there's always a chance that they will finish it off. So United mm. could become a very dangerous side. And they they haven't lost in their last 12 now, isn't it? Mm. Uh, yeah, that yeah. Solskjaer's really turned the ship around and it does look like Champions League football could be on its way back to Old Trafford. Yeah, just looking at this Opta stat here. Since his Premier League debut, Bruno Fernandes has been directly involved in more goals than any other Premier League in the competition with... Uh, uh, three goals and three assists so it looks like he is making a massive impact for Man United Harry how do you think that that Premier League chase is going to look do you reckon Man United are going to build from this or is there other teams as well competing for that space you think is more likely 
They should get it. They should get it because their running is easier than the Chelsea's and everyone below. But I was really impressed with the way Mourinho set up his team today and the fact of he's known for his defensive style of football. But he started with quite a, quite an attacking lineup, to be honest with you. And that's how they got their opening goal. Bergwin coming on from that right-hand side, cutting inside. I don't know what Luke Shaw or Maguire was doing and just smashed it into that. And once again, I don't really know what De Gea was doing. Yeah. But the fact is that United are very impressive. Tottenham have seemed to get their tactics sorted out. Chelsea are obviously quite a strong side as well. I think it's going to be a, a lot tighter than I, than I first expected, to be fair. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned about De Gea's mistake there. Now, Mike, I'm not sure if you were able to catch it, but at halftime, uh, Roy Keane descended into a madness <laughs> about <laughs> yeah. De Gea's performance and uh, the rest of the Man United performance as well. Uh, claiming that he would, uh, I don't know. Did he say he was going to punch the players? Considering if he, were, I think it was he would punch the player. I, I think so. Don't quote me on this, but I think it's he, if he was in there, he'd punch the players. The Hay is the most overrated goalkeeper he's heard in a long time, and he doesn't yeah. know what they're doing because Maguire and De Gea are international players, so they'd have yeah. to walk home if he was in the dressing room. Yeah, he wouldn't let them get on the bus, would he? He was very no. disappointed. Uh, Patrice Ebra just responded with laughter to those statements because I don't know what else you do to those. <laughs> you seems... can't disagree. You can't disagree with the lads. No. It's just if you disagree, then you're you're his enemy. <laughs> you're the last thing you want to be. The last thing that you want to be is an enemy of Roy yeah. Keane. David De Gea, is he underperforming at Man United or was he so exceptional in the last couple of years that these mistakes are finally catching up to him? You know, like, How would you assess his performance recently, guys? Considering he's supposed to be like the best goalkeeper in the world, he's kept eight clean sheets in 30 appearances mm-hmm. and he's, he's conceded 31 goals, which I mean isn't as, like, as many as I thought, but he's made three errors leading to goals as well. Yeah. I think four tonight. So yeah. the, he's making mistakes that world-class keepers can't make to be called world-class, if that mm. makes sense. Uh, mm. It's it's a very... It, I mean, the shot does have power, but it's at him. Yeah. So he, he's got to be able to tip that around the power. He should be saving that, and he's cost the side two points tonight. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? And... Uh, yeah, like De Gea, I remember a couple of seasons ago was kind of people saying that they got points from De Gea because he was that class. Whereas, um, I think, so, sorry, sorry, I think he got play, fans player of the season or players player of the season three years in a row. It's just yeah, to sort go. of compile that statement. Yeah, yeah, that only proves my point. Yeah, the fact that how, how well he was performing for this Man United side. And yeah, it kind of seems like they're letting him down, which is a kind of a real shame, especially as he was... Almost, you know, he was targeted with a Real Madrid move, which was let down by computers or a fax machine or something. <laughs> who's, who's even using fax machines? I do not know. But uh, yeah, still, a target to Real Madrid, he looks way, way far off that now, doesn't he? Um, the last thing I kind of want to cover about this game was, uh, we already mentioned Pogba and his performance coming on, but it, it frustrates me with Pogba because I, ca- I can't really tell if they can get the, the reaction out of him to get him to play these final nine games a season, that combination is going to be deadly. But why do you think Pogba blows hot and cold in this Man United side? Because it seems he's never really hit an amazing, consistent run of form. And it, you, you think he would be an absolute world-class player on his day if he could consistently create that form. Why, why, don't you, why do you think he blows hot and cold like that? I think at, I think at Juventus, he was given a free role. He, he mm. was given... 
He was given, like, basically, he could do whatever he wanted. He could roam around the pitch wherever he wanted to do. And that's how you get the best out of Paul Pogba because he's he has a footballing brain. He knows where he needs to be. But the problem is, is uh, especially under Mourinho, he tries to mould him in sort of like a defensive midfielder, sort of deep line playmaker sort of role. Yeah. And Pogba didn't like that. And I think Solskjaer sort of, he gave him the freedom that he wanted in those first like sort of 11 games that he had with the um, with the club. And then again, he's tried to, he's been hit with injuries and I don't know if the moulding's still been trying to do. So you just sort of got to let Pogba do the role that he wants to do and with McTominay it seems like that they've got that sort of destroyer in their midfield that they don't need to have and if he can have that link with Bruno Fernandes and have a little bit of rotation between the two then you could probably get the best out of Paul Pogba yeah any other you know thoughts on on that Harry how you do get the best out of Paul Pogba to make him a consistent player that's the thing. I think Mikey, Mikey literally took the words out of my yeah. mouth from what, from what I was going to say. I think he, he said it very, very well, to be fair. And with, with Man United, it's, or with Pogba, I, it's difficult to get him playing his absolute best because they can't really afford a free role unless they literally tell McTominay, you sit there and don't move. Because the thing is, if Pogba and McTominay play, that means Fred can't play and he's sort of, he's sort of playing that role at the moment. And he's, to be honest with you, he's done quite well when he's been called upon this season. He's, he's, he sort of finally came into his own and now Pogba's back fit. So it's, it's quite unlucky from that perspective. Yeah, but I think sort of it's, he's been, he was given that free role, like Mikey said, and then they signed Bruno Fernandes. So he's had to be pulled back a bit further again. But well, I think the ground, sorry, the, um, the basic foundation of it is that he wants to be in a winning team in the past three years, apart from a Carabao Cup final, which all of us from a uh, Southampton point of view really wish we won but he won <laughs> is if you're a World Cup winner you don't want to be lifting Carabao Cups during the off during the off season or during the um, the actual season you want mm. to be lifting Premier Leagues Champions Leagues and I think it's just due to the fact that they're not they didn't seem to be progressing for the previous three years whereas now under Solskjaer maybe he's not an elite manager and maybe they need to bring in a Pochettino if they want to not just get into the Champions League but win the league win the Champions League they're sort of they're starting to actually play well. They're starting to win more games. You see, they're twelve on the bounce now in sort of unbeaten streaks. It's just about being in a winning side, and I don't think he felt that for the previous three years, whereas now he does, or could do at least. Yeah. Do, you, do you think like a younger version of Nemanja Matic would be the best thing to bring in at United at the moment? Because that's sort of what they need. They don't have that sort of rock. Like McTominay's mm. filling the role well, but I don't know if he's that destroyer that. United need maybe they need a little bit more quality. They need like an all-round central midfielder to play I, next to Pogba. I think McTominay is a very, very versatile player, and he has all the facility. I mean, he's been he's gone through the United uh, system and come into that system, and you can clearly see he's got all the real attributes you need out of a class midfielder. And I think depending on what they do with him, they can mould him really into what they need, but. I think the main aspect is they need to keep him in their plans. So in order to get the best out of that player, they need to hold him down into a position that he can grow into. And we've seen it with countless other players who haven't really found their position. But if you want McTominay to be a destroyer, he can learn his craft in that way. If you want him to be a box-to-box, he can do that as well. But he's tall, he's strong, he's got good feet, he can have a shot, he can pick a pass, 
He's good on the, you know, like he's got all these things that he can do. And if they, if they build with him, he could be an absolute class midfielder. And I think he could stay in that side for a long, long time. So I, I agree with you in the fact that they probably do need someone who can hold down in that midfield. But if they give McTominay time to pick, you know, not pick a position, but hold down a position, I think he could be a, a very, very class player for them. Do you think he could become an elite player, McTominay? I think he's got the potential to. Uh, do you? Do, what, what do you reckon about his potential? I was thinking, because when Mikey was saying that, I could sort of see Ndidi going to Manchester United and filling in that role. It just depends how much do you think McTominay can improve. Because if you, if you think he can get to that level, you might as well keep him because they're not going to win the league for another three years at least. And by, yeah. by that, that time, McTominay will be at his peak, so you might as well give him that yeah. chance. But if you don't think he's going to reach that level, it's about it's about that's that's when you should find someone. It's just when I've seen him as an outsider watching him play. I think he has been a very very good player. But then again, I'm not I'm not on the inside. I don't watch him day in day out. And if you know if the manager thinks it it would be a better opportunity to uh, get an, an elite player in, then by all means, I'm not going to question that decision. If uh, I, I just think it'd be a shame to halt his development because I think he he could turn into a very good player. The only problem I see that being will Pogba give him three years. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? If you're going the, the to build, last, the last, uh, uh, what were you going to say? I was just going to say that if you're building a, if you're building a system, you need players to stick around, don't you? And yeah. you can't guarantee Pogba's going to do that. That's that's all I was going to say. But the last thing I was going to say is the uh, 90th minute VAR incident. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, it it was a dive, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it was anything. I don't think it was anything. Like I was watching it, I was just, I was sat there. I've got to be honest with you, I didn't have full full focus. I sat there watching playing FM at the same time. I looked up <laughs> and that the, the incident happened, and I, then he gave a penalty, and I was I was just sat there Quite in confusion. Like, what on earth has happened? What on yeah. earth has happened here? Watch the replay, and I, I would have felt sorry for Tottenham if that didn't get overturned, and especially Eric Dyer, because once again, I think Eric Dyer had a good game. He had a fun fantastic challenge and Anthony Martial when Bruno Fernandes played him in um, mm. all round he had a solid game he gave a penalty away against Pogba and if he gave away a penalty there not only would that be bad for him obviously but Mourinho's plan almost went perfectly and they would have lost the game through two penalties so I'd, I would have felt bad for him in that aspect yeah, yeah. no way no way just, a penalty it's just that, like he doesn't touch the ball but then he doesn't really touch the man either so yeah. it, it's, yeah. uh, it, it was like a last minute thought of we can get something here if I can sort of trick him into it. it yeah, it was very strange. Almost he, works. He, he almost did. He put his foot down and it, it, it's looked like he's gone in for the challenge, but I, I don't know. I was, I was debating this with my dad when I was watching it. If a player does that on the halfway line in the fact that the ball's gone, he's planting his foot down for a challenge and it's, it's hit the player on the, on the foot. Is that given as a free kick or is that just kind of like, uh, a part of the game where you've just got caught because I, I I don't think I've seen too many of those where the ball's gone and the player's just caught him on the foot and the refs called it back I don't really know it depends on the ref really doesn't mm. it yeah. yeah like it depends on the ref and it depends on the movement of the ball as well because if, if if you've managed to play a forward pass and it's mm. got someone in behind and then someone gets tagged a little bit then yeah. Like it, it can be. It, think, it can be a free kick. I think I've kind of worked it out in my head while I've said it out loud. I think the majority of it, if he did get not stamped on, but if he got hit in the foot while the ball's gone, I think the majority of the referees want to keep the game going rather than calling it back. So if it is mm -hmm. a cyber pass and they've maintained the ball, 
I think the uh, the team would just carry on and it would try and uh, hopefully get the player to get back up again. But it kind of creates a a grey area when it comes to a penalty, doesn't it? Because it's kind of like... To be fair, the angle that I saw, it didn't even look like he stamped on him. It literally oh, no. looked yeah. like he didn't touch him. Oh, yeah. So. I'm, I'm going into theoretics here when I'm saying if he did stamp on him, would that would that be given as a penalty? Because even... <laughs> yeah, it was like basically at thinking, 90 Ninety oh. third minute. I think he just sort of backed into him to try and win something. And yeah. it, without VAR, it would have worked. But obviously, because there was VAR, it could get overturned, and nothing was given. Well, hey, everyone can praise VAR. VAR, not complain about it, right? That's, that's yeah, yeah, not, not, not for a couple of days ago. It's very on and off, isn't it? VAR, people's opinions of yeah. it. If it goes your way, you're loving it, and if it doesn't, you're hating it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, there we go. Those are the games today. Any other thoughts on the games? I've got a little bit of transfer news, not too much, but one that's uh, popped up for me. Anything else that you guys think about the games? Just one thing. Do you think they? Do you think Man United and Tottenham would have taken a point? Do you think Tottenham before the game would have taken a point? I think Tottenham were going into that game needing a win, really, weren't they? Because yeah. this was their prime opportunity to to make a six points difference. Really, you know. Get Man United to drop free and then gain free would be massive for them to get it. So I think uh, Tottenham would be more of the disappointment, especially to lead early as well. They're going to be really disappointed taking that away. Um, I think United would be the happier of the two because definitely. because of their running. They mm. didn't really need yeah. to pick up any points from this game. Uh, still with a chance to catch up with Chelsea. So, yeah, I, I think that's going fine. Yeah, yeah. fair point. Right, my bit of transfer news, I don't know if you guys got the same bit, but I've got a uh, quote from Pep Guardiola talking about Leroy Sane, basically confirming that Sane wants to leave. He's been offered multiple contracts and has been rejecting them. Uh, His main link link is Bayern Munich, and uh, he's rejected several offers from Man City. Um, What what are your guys' thoughts on Sane trying to leave leave Man City for potentially another team? Is this the right move for him? Yeah, I'm, I'm going because you look at the amount of wingers that City have. If you want to be playing first-team football, and Sane's now coming 23, isn't he? He's, he's still like very that. young. He only he yeah. only won like Young Player of the Year two seasons. <laughs> yeah, so he's he's still got like plenty of time to develop, plenty of time to grow, and you want to be doing that playing first-team football. Now, City, even though you've probably got a very good chance of winning titles and like cup competitions, you're not going to play as much. Especially with like St- Sterling, Mares, and Bernardo Silva, you've got three world-class players there. Uh, Sane's a fourth, and mm. he could be a world-class player somewhere else and start in, in uh, most teams across Europe. So uh, I think Bayern Munich would be a sensible move as well because they're building a good young squad there, and um, yeah, they they've got a good chance of kicking on, maybe challenging for the Champions League um, even this year. Mm. They might be yeah. challenging for it. Yeah, I'm looking at it here. So uh, apparently Bayern Munich made him the number one target in the summer and uh, Man City demanding £62 million for a person in their last last year of their contract, which seems a, a very big figure. But of course, they uh, they signed him for £37 million, so still looking to almost uh, double their money there through the uh, a player on their last year. So it'd be very interesting to see whether they definitely want to get him out on his last year and make that money on him or they will use him for another year. It, it seems like... They're definitely trying to get the money in. Um, hmm. 
To be, to be fair, though, 62 million for a player of Sane's quality, I, I think that's a very good deal. Mm. I, I, mm. It's not, if you can sort of drink that down towards like towards 50, you can really get a quality player for not too much money, a bit like the Timo Werner transfer. Yeah. Like, you've got a really good player for, in all fairness, not a world class fee. So, yeah, I'm looking at the standard here, and uh, they're re- reporting that apparently uh, Bayern are only so far to repay, uh, prepare to pay in the region about 30 million for him, so really low balling him. And basically saying that if the price is not met, which they deem to be, what did I say? 60, 60, 62, 62, 62, 62, yeah. Um, then they will force him to do his last year and then he will leave on a free. Apparently they were, they were asking for over 140 million the year before. So although they have Mm. uh, decreased it by a lot, 62 is their, their non-negotiable offer. What do you, is that a sensible idea, Harry? Making him stay for that last year, even if he doesn't want to be there. Like, if it's thirty million, they they could chuck thirty million about like it's no one's business. Mm. Uh, I think they need they need to get at least fifty for him, at least profit, because he's he's too good to get rid of him for for a stupidly low fee. And I'm looking at buying squads here, looking at their wingers, Ivan Perisic is he's getting older. You've got Coutinho that they're not keeping. You've got Gnabry one size. Um, Sane on the left yeah. and you've got uh, Lewandowski up front that's that's a ridiculous front three yeah. that's an absolutely ridiculous front three I think Bayern are just worried because he's not actually plays I don't know if he plays a couple of days ago I'm not too sure because he's been out injured for well since the Community Shield I think they've, they can have that sort of leverage on him that the fact that if he's not been fit for a year he might now have that recurring injury or he might have this or he might have that because he's on his last year, I think they will get away with getting him for about 50 million. I think yeah. 62 is still slightly high, just be, just because of the injury contract status and the fact that he doesn't want to be there. I think those three things combined will put it down to 50. But any day of the week, you take a player for 50 million. That's, yeah. that's his quality. Definitely. Well, that's, it's one we can keep our eye on again, see what happens. And if you want to keep up to date, make sure you subscribe, whether it's on YouTube or your favourite podcasting platform. We'll keep you updated. We're doing our daily episodes. So every game that's played, I mean, there's continuous football for the next seven days and we will be doing a daily episode every day. So if you want to hear the summary, latest transfer news, anything like that, make sure you're subscribed and ready so you can hear it. But yeah, it's been my normal co-host this week, apart from Jamie this week, uh, today even. Um, Jamie's not been able to make it, but I'm still been joined by Harry. Say goodbye, Harry. Goodbye, Harry. (laughs) And Mikey, do you want to say goodbye as well? Bye. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you again next time.